our work, Black Lives Matter movement work is a love movement. It's about us loving ourselves and about us loving other people. So, and the love that I got in response to that, it just makes this little hate stuff like not really matter. It's entirely worth it. And I, being able to like impact people in a meaningful way makes all of it worth it. Here's something I don't anticipate I'll often say about a guest that's appearing on this podcast. I honestly don't know if I'm as woke as today's guest. And I'm pretty woke. On the woke scale, I'm a good seven. You know, for example, I'm reading Coretta Scott King's biography. But I'm also going to go home tonight and watch a couple episodes of Love After Lockup. Best reality show on TV. Don't at me. Now, my guest today on the woke scale, he might be a perfect 10, and that is not easy to do in his line of work. Anyway, this is about to be the most wokey woke 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 ass podcast of all time. Grey's Anatomy star Jesse Williams is up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Jesse Williams, I have one burning question for you, all right? When is the next Bleverty game night? For real. I'm in L.A. now. I'm ready to increase my blackness. Okay. My blackness credit score by another 50, 60 points. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how, Right. We could, Yeah, we can give you a nice boost. I've okay. seen your score. It's suffering a little bit. We can, um, <laughs> Look, I'm at, I'm at fair. Okay. I'm at fair. Right, I'm trying right, to get right. the good right. and then We excellent. could do that. It's okay. been a lot of people been asking me that. I think we should do one end of the summer. I think we should do one like Labor Day, something like that. Okay. It's a good idea. That's a good idea now that you're here too. Yeah. So for the people who don't know, explain to them what Blebrity is. Blebrity. Yeah. Blebrity is uh, one of my apps. It's this, uh, this game that we created. Really what we saw was that pop culture is really black culture. And that we figured it like black people love game nights too. We have we, yeah, <laughs> that's a damn right? shame. It's you a real say simple that. thing. Like, we also we like to play games too, and a lot do. of these games that are really popular just uh, exclude us. So we're not going to whine about it, not complain about it. Let's just make our own. Mm. So we just made something that made the revolutionary decision not to exclude black and brown and gay and trans folks, and just like celebrate our culture, celebrate the way we talk, celebrate uh, the things we remember, celebrate our mama phrases and the way we grew up and the singers that we love and the sports that we love and our our, our heroes. And um, so it's kind of like heads up or charades, kind of like a parlor game. Um, I'm miming it, which does you no good at podcast listeners at home. <laughs> right. But you, ha- you hold the cell phone or iPad up to your forehead and it gives you categories. You pick great categories and it's just everybody yelling in the living room or in line uh, at the movies or something, um, guessing all these great trivia that is cultural and hilarious and really well put together and curated. Um, and people go nuts for it. And we started doing game nights in LA and New York and Miami and every, anywhere we were. And they ended up being exploding and being really popular on social media. And everybody's asking, as you just did, Jamel, mm-hmm. like, how can I be down? How can I get in? And um, it's just a great, good, wholesome fun. Good wholesome you know? fun. Yeah, that just keeps us together. Well, the thing is, like, you would text me and um, you would say, hey, we're having a, a, a Blubberty game night. I'm like, does Jesse know I live in Connecticut right now? <laughs> like, I can't. I wish I had the It's Concord. a Bristol game night. It's a Bristol game night, right. Me um, and, but like, yeah, two it's, cats. <laughs> it's dope. And, and I would also say, you know, even though every other thing that comes out, 
we never have to explain this, but when a black product, a product made by black folks comes out, we kind of like people feel excluded if they're not that. Everybody plays this game. Everybody right. loves this game. It's as American as apple pie or any other nonsense that y'all want to call American. Like it's it's just a great game. It just happens to include us and everybody else. Um, so it, it, I don't say that to say it's segregationist only. It just centers us and our experiences. I feel like um, it's kind of cheating that you're playing in this because I mean you're in the entertainment. You're an actor. You probably know a ton of this pop culture stuff. Oh, I created the game. So, and you yeah. created the game. Yeah. So but I, no, I host. I don't really compete. Okay, you don't compete. I host right. or like I, I kick, kick so I was things like, that'd off. Be kind of up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a little bit of inside track. So does it get serious? It gets heated. Okay, I figure it gets because maybe for people out there listening um, who may not have any black friends mm-hmm. or may not. It's have a great any way black to practice. Friends. It's a great way to practice, and they may not know this that. Black people take games real serious. Yeah. Like it is, I don't know about how it might have gone down in your household, but in my household, I have seen damn near fist fights over Monopoly. Well, what I've learned, and I've got access to this being a biracial person who's at home on both sides, that white people go wild for their games too. And their charades or whatever other games they're playing in the living room, people who get amped get amped. And it's it's fun. People are yelling, and I've seen friendships end. I've seen people be banished from homes and not welcome back. Like people go nuts. Yeah. And when we do Blebberty Game Nights, it always ends up being just kind of an easy way to divide the room. Um, is guys versus girls, and that creates its own kind of fun and tension and rivalry and and like uh, uh, like pr- provocative kind of like taunting each other too so well and then you know you have two kind of cheat codes is obviously you created the game and used to be a teacher so i feel like you are that applies to i think a little bit that means that you can absorb and you again in acting you have to absorb a lot of information Uh right and so you have to learn scripts and all this stuff so i really feel like if i were on who wants to be a millionaire i think you might be my lifeline you gotta like follow that's interesting i hadn't thought about that as an actor like I've got to pick up on your movements because you're giving me clues, right? I'm holding and everybody's giving clues and I got, Ooh, what are you trying you to probably, communicate with you your eyes? We got that gesture. Body gestures that really mo- Yeah, well. posture, body language mm. is big. Body language really, wow. that's actually true. I should be banished from my own game. You night. should. Thank you I think you are up. disqualified. Yeah. Um, but while we're on the subject of your acting career, um, clearly a, a huge segment of the population, they know you from uh, Grey's Anatomy, um, which has been renewed for a 16th and a 17th season, which yeah. is crazy. I literally just came from a table read, <laughs> our first of the season. Well, look at that. Um, but what do you attribute Gray's longevity to? I mean, why does this show... Have, it, this is People don't understand how difficult and how often this just doesn't happen in TV to see a show last as long as it yeah, has. Yeah, I would... Uh, for context, I would, to your last point, like... It, you know, this show, we do 24, 25 hour long episodes a year. And, you know, a lot of shows do six to eight episodes. Game of Thrones is like six episodes a year, right? And, you know, the, all great, this is not about quality. This is just about quantity when you think about like what takes up your time. And it took so, them two years to make the yeah. last season. <laughs> and so like some shows do 13 episodes. And a great successful run is three seasons, six seasons. Um, we're doing it, you know, so they do their show in three months. We do it in 10 months. We do it in nine months. Um, so it is, I say that only to say as a, to give credit and props to the writing staff. Like they got to really write this hour long material 25 times a year, um, and keep it relevant. So one of the things I attribute the success to, I think is, um, is its diversity is Gray's been doing this as a pioneer in this thing. We so-called this word we sling around called diversity, which is often weaponized bullshit honestly but 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 grays has been doing it 
for now 16 years where they said, ah, we can't put black people in positions of uh, centered around a, a show centered around them because that's not really going to sell. That's not going to work, work internationally. We can't put Hispanics. We can't put uh, Asian folks. We can't put gay trans pe- people in a medical stories. show. With that. In a medical show, they yeah. did all of that, and it was the number one show out the gate. Monster show. Everybody, it's number. It's a top three show in like 246 territories around the world, literally, and. Uh, that's I think because the world looks like us. The world looks like a mixed uh, a mix of a lot of different well, you know? color shapes and sizes. <laughs> and right, it's not this homogenous European inlet. Like we actually love to see love to see representation on screen. We love to feel like this includes us, and we don't have to like squeeze ourselves into the shape of somebody else all the time, or at least for this hour a night. Um, and obviously, the tremendous writing that taps into your your worst fears and greatest triumphs and love and everybody wants love and wants to be considered and included. So I think they've really mastered mastered that and you and it's generational. We got three generations of folks watching this. You got people who were who are sixteen years old who were born with their parents, their moms watching the show and they grew up watching it. And there's more people more people discover Greys on Netflix every year than watch it already. Wow. So we're inheriting a bigger audience than we already had and we already had the biggest audience, if that makes sense. No, that doesn't it's a whole sense. new world so some people are binging and they're on season six that was 11 years ago so they've got 11 more years of show to watch and we're still making the show so it's just this conveyor belt of comedy and drama and our show ebbs and flows sometimes it's really political or topical and a lot of times it's, it really avoids that altogether. i've been on the you know the show's in 16 years and i think only last year was the first time any characters really talked about you know black characters being black they're just black and he's the chief and she's the smartest one, and she owns the whole hospital, whatever. But race is not a, a bludgeon. It's not a weapon on the show. It's just, it's hard. It's much harder for you to be racist or homophobic when the person has a name and a story and loved ones and a family, right? Generally, I could say, yeah, gay people do that. But when it's Sada Ramirez's character, Callie, and I, and I love her, and she, we relate, and we both went to the same school, and she's also insecure about her dad, now she's a human being. Now it's really hard for me to throw her away in that same dismissive way. So it really is, um, I'm proud of what we do and it, and it matters. Things like shows like that, representation really does matter, humanizes people and makes you hopefully care when we get shot in the street. Well, Shonda Rhimes who created it, I mean, she's, you know, built her own empire and, mm-hmm. um, you know, moved on to, to Netflix. But uh, having had the opportunity to, to interact with her, um, what, is, what is she like? What is it that makes her so special? You know, I don't, honestly no outside of the output i know her and she's dope and amazing and funny and fast but these are all things that you would assume um and generous and you know she's an she's an awesome person uh none of that lets me see under the hood as to how she's such a genius and so prolific um and is able to make such dense lasting material that impacts so many especially in this kind of hyper-divided world that we live in now. Um, she's just a really incredibly smart person. And, 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 you know, as actors, we have to stretch ourselves to find empathy and be able to express ourselves in other people's walks in life. See, and, and as a writer, she's, I got to do that for one person. I got to do that for my character. She got to do it for 13 and introduce four new ones and kill off two new ones and create romance and heartbreak for other ones. It's a it's a superpower that um I, I wish I understood. I mean, what is uh you know what do you think you've learned from being a part of a legacy show? I think I've learned to be 
proud of our work in a way that I think was not reflexive. I think that a lot of, and I say that thinking too, when I travel internationally, uh, you know, we live in, I live in New York and LA, right? Not exactly the center of our country, but when I travel to other countries, Brazil, Colombia, you know, Shanghai, wherever, um, Nigeria, Ghana, you, you see how at people's core, it really impacts them. And they come and they tell you stories, how it ex was the first time somebody talked about what her sister, his sister had went through in their life. And be, I felt shunned because my daughter has the same cleft palate situation that you operated on and you really shined shine a light on this and be, nobody knows about these cases. I think that um, what it makes me feel is like, I think as actors, sometimes we go like, well, you know, I don't have a real job. Like, oh, you know, but folks that have a real job, like, I don't apologize for our work. I think our work really is important and no, matters. It's a and a real job. <laughs> and, and we obviously put in the hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, we put in 11 to 15 hour days. And um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's something I've gotten settled into. Like, this is nice. This is nice. <laughs> it's nice. Um, and, and also it shows that a show, it makes me feel, I'm proud of the legacy, not only for what's on camera and adulation, adulation and stuff like that, but like, Speaking of Shonda, she's created a whole ecosystem, a whole economy. There are hundreds of people who provide for their entire families based off of her ideas. She had an idea. She's putting kids through college. She's putting hundreds and hundreds of people are buying houses and cars and taking their kids to class and da 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 because of her idea. Um, that is true. I mean, shit, talk about black girl magic. Like, that <laughs> is actually magic. Um, so, uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of that. It comes with us where we go and, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I see its benefits. It's pretty dope. A lot of things come and go. A lot of things, you do a pilot and it dies and it's very uncommon. Hell, I mean, only 10%, that's the last stat I saw, only 10% of actors, people who are in SAG have a, are, are actually actors, only 10% of us work. Wow. That's... 10% of a whole community that actually can provide for themselves. So talk about being blessed. Like I just feel incredibly, incredibly blessed on something that has lasted a long time and will continue to. I mean, I know it is uh, a grind. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, here's how I knew I couldn't be an actor aside from the fact I can't act <laughs> um, is I, I had a cameo, uh, me and my former TV partner, Michael Smith right. on Luke Cage, right? And uh, we were playing ourselves. That's probably the only acting I could do. I play myself really, you, really were fucking you well. At the desk, like, or were no? You... That we were actually. So the the setup was this, and they only allowed us to have three pages of the script because you know, especially sure, when sure. you're dealing with you would have leaked it. Yeah, I totally yeah, would have. Like, yeah. I'm that person. Um, and because you're dealing with Marvel, you know, right, and right. they're super secretive about what the super, you know, the superhero universe is up to. So the the scene was that Luke Cage. Um, in a way to generate some income, because you know he's a hood hero, yeah. but he need to get paid to continue his hood hero ness. <laughs> okay, um, he decided to hold like an NFL combine. Um, well, it was, the combine was just himself, right? Him doing a bunch of different okay, showing off his powers. showing off, and uh, it was also the, the coach of the Jets, um, Todd uh, Bowles oh, yeah, was yeah, there. Right, yeah, right. so he also was doing a cameo in this. So Todd Bowles was there to evaluate him, and Mike and I were playing sports reporters on the scene to watch Luke Cage, um, you know, engage in throwing this huge tire and right. running super You're fast. You're calling it, giving color commentary, giving color commentary for the combine. So that was what we did. Now, we probably had combined maybe four lines. Okay. 
we were there for a legit six hours. And I was like, uh, <laughs> wow. so wow. we got more to do because I didn't, what I didn't realize, unlike when you're on live television, you know, you're doing it in mm. network and at your comfy little desk, is that when it's live, it's live. What is the, it's here and it's gone. Yeah. That's it, yeah. right? But there they have to get it from so many different angles. Yeah. And, and even after we spent six hours there, we had to go back to New York to come in studio no. to redo our lines. To your we, line. To rematch it to, so wow. you know about this yeah. life. Oh, yeah. You know that you live this life. All the time. And I was just like, if this is what the amount of work for four lines, yeah. I can only imagine what the amount of work what is if you have a real part in something. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. And it also, you have to be your own calibrator of momentum and truth and honesty as a performer because you don't get to, you see the scene, it's a dinner table scene. We're all talking, I'm mad at you. We just find out about her, da, da, da. But keeping that fresh, when you shot that for six hours and with the, for the whole first four hours, all of the cameras were pointed this direction away from me. Yep. How do I give you my all, be honest and real in the scene, but save some for when the camera turns around to me after lunch. We've been there since 6 a.m. But at 2 p.m., finally it's going to be around on me. But I've been yelling at you all morning. Nobody caught it because the cameras were facing the other way, catching the other six actors, whatever. Like how to just... Yeah, just control yourself and calibrate it. Never mind just the waiting. Yeah. Um, so waiting and then your, go, answer, be fresh again. Answer your own question. How do you do it? I think with patience and gratitude and preparation. You know, like I I prepare my ass off. I took this business. real. If I'm going to do something, it sounds cliche, but like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it really well. I'm going to do the best I can. That's all. I, I don't know if it's going to be well, good or not, but I'm going to do the best I can. So when I start this business, I'm trying to do my best. If I come prepared, then... You know, I could go back to my bartending job or teaching for $65 a day or something else. So I'm grateful to be there. And But, yo, it's frustrating. It absolutely can be frustrating. But as long as you have, a, you have to have a really open line of communication with, like, your line producer and your second AD, a second assistant director, people who are, like, bringing you in. Like, yo, don't bring me in at 4 a.m. if Jamel's got three scenes before me and you really know, you know you're not going to see me until 1 p.m. Like you try to find places and everybody's mutually respecting each other, respecting each other's time. But like, you know, you're it's it's it uh it, it makes you feel bored if you're sitting there standing around. But you could be on a conveyor belt. You could be digging holes. You could be digging graves. You could be doing other work, labor. Well, the, yeah, that's kind of how I used to you know feel about it um, when I did television every day. Is that you know I'm not saving babies from burning buildings. You know what I'm saying? I'm just. Mm -hmm bullshitting about sports that's pretty much the, the the beginning and the end of it and so but yet and still I also recognize um that there are frustrations that you have but unfortunately and I'm sure you get this too that people don't want to hear about your frustrations no. because they feel like hey man you won the lottery here you seem more privileged than me I don't want to hear you I don't want to hear about if I have 35 bucks and you have 50 bucks don't complain about how expensive something is like it just isn't gonna feel right um yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So you got to know your audience and know, uh, you know, where to gripe about what. Um, but, you know, I would say, I think that reflex I was just talking about, about people say, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing rocket science. But as you just kind of the self-deprecating uh, thing you just said about your job, but like we, you have throngs of people around the country that can't wait to get off work to drive home to watch you break down what happened today. Like that's that's a real job. That's a real, that's, you know, to, to demand other people, to have other people want to spend their time with you 
and to want your take on something and to want your perspective, um, that's a talent. And because we get to live our dreams, like, yeah, it's kind of hard to complain. Well, um, but still, though, I know that because you are so visible, um, like when you're out in public, are people calling you by like your character name? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Jackson? You know what? It's kind of a wild <laughs> split and that's changed now. I just came back from Comic-Con where I realized this is my first time doing Comic-Con. Cause I did, Isn't I'm that a, crazy? I'm a video game. Ooh. Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. I'm the yeah. face of this PlayStation game called Detroit Become Human and it's a really big game. It's really dope. Is it about game. actually... Detroit, it's, my it's, set, it's set in Detroit. Okay. It's about. Did they make it look raggedy? They made it. Look no, raggedy. it actually looks much nicer than it is in real life. I'm just oh. kidding. I just kidding. I just kidding. Oh, that was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we gentrified, damn it. <laughs> um, but it's it's actually set in like uh, the near future where androids are our service class. Technology's gotten such that androids drive your cabs and are your baristas and open your doormen, and they look lifelike, but they're androids. And you play. It's like choose your own adventure kind of you play several characters and my character to no one's surprise is uh is an android like renegade who breaks off starts his own colony of androids oh, to fight for their rights you're as the woke renegade they, i'm the woke i'm the woke android to oh, like the woke android, woke android sorry, yeah. to like demand that we deserve respect and, and rights oh, and shit. shit too you protested like, on a video and game <laughs> and on the cover of the video game like giving mad speeches and, and kicking ass um but so i go to comic-con and realize that there are there's, you know, I'm doing signatures and there's seven line, you know, mm-hmm. lines of hundreds of people waiting to, to do autographs or whatever. And those people don't know anything about Grey's Anatomy, don't necessarily know anything about my activism. They're not that, that necessarily that um, background. So it's a whole nuts a lane that just knows me for this and really enjoys it. And there's Grey's fans that are going to call out the name, Jackson Avery, that are ask me questions about the plot. And then there's what happens, really, I would think most of the time, maybe it's most of the time that I pay attention, is activism. It's my actual name and it's connection to the work. Um, so those are like, it's three-pronged and they don't necessarily uh, intersect. It's great when they do. Well, were you ever worried, especially being a part of a, such a huge show like Grey's, that uh, it would be hard for people? And by people, I mean, um, you know, Hollywood um, people that want to hire you for yeah. other projects that to they not would... get pigeonholed as exactly that. they don't see you as Jackson Avery absolutely okay. that was that uh, was absolutely my concern for uh, even before accepting the job and 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 growing in it the first couple of years you're always trying to be aware of that it happens some of our favorite sitcom stars right growing up like absolutely you you can't not see them that way um, but or and. I'm not worried about that for me because I'm me. And like it's, it's. I think I've, a lot of people know me. If you don't watch a show, you ain't never really seen me act. And you still know me from my work and having integrity and doing other things. So I think I naturally find, without having to try, I try to do things that I find interesting. I think I've created enough diversity of thought and work that I think I'm okay. But uh, the real test would be after you leave the show. Uh, uh, along those lines, one of the things you're doing is next year you're going to be on Broadway. That's right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, I think that the character you're playing and the play itself is is really interesting. Take Me Out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're playing um, the play, rather. It's about a baseball player. Yeah. Right? Who is... Uh, yeah. The play is Take Me Out. It was um, it was on Broadway many years ago, maybe 10 to 15 years ago, won a Tony and it's written by Richard Greenberg, and it is about a baseball team, and I'm the star baseball player. I, I would uh, liken it to like a Jeter or A-Rod, some kind of, feels kind of like a new year, big market, big star team, and, he, and, and without saying too much about the, the plot, he comes out as gay at some point. And I find it really interesting because it's a sports team. 
It's a sports locker room. It's a sports dugout. Uh, if you're a heroic figure, and as a masculine figure in Americana, the most American game, supposedly, right? Like, what is masculinity? Are you still the leader of men? Are you still this hero if everything we've ta been taught about masculinity is heteronormative and he, he comes out as gay and you've got a team that was not put together, not your family, it's not your friends. It's a team that was drafted and put together. So not necessarily people of like mind. So if you have a guy from Appalachia who has his beliefs and you got a guy from a different country with his beliefs and you got other people and we all have to, it, it's this, this bot, this group of Americans and group of men by and large that have to tussle with their perspectives on what life is and what masculinity is and what leadership is and what friendship is and what like loyalty is. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. It's something terrifying and exciting for me. That's why I'm doing it. Like going from my show to being the lead on a Tony award winning Broadway play is a big change. I'm excited to go back home to New York. Yeah. I mean, that's, I look to do things that scare me that are not predictable. So how do you, I guess, study for a role like this? Cause you see where professional sports are in particular when it comes to gay athletes, um, which is, they're not very far along. Um, mm. Just that it's still such an environment that it, it's not that sports does not have gay athletes. They yeah. clearly do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of players when you have, you know, kind of off the record conversations with them or private conversations, they'll tell you they have definitely played with gay yeah. players. Yeah. But yet it still continues to not be of a very welcoming environment in certain sports. Um, Wasn't there, it's like a sidebar, but you just made me think of this. Wasn't there somebody doing a project on like the first? I think he was out black baseball player who like invented the high five or something. There was like, there was a black baseball player who was like the first to high five now, in sports and he was fact. gay. I did not know. Before. I think somebody's doing that project. Okay. Anyway, um, you know what, Jamel, I think that we're like right at the precipice of this, of shit changing in the next couple of years, big time. I think, and I think hip hop has a lot to do with it. I think we, we used to talk about this in hip hop for years. Ain't no way. Like imagine like a gay rapper. Right. You couldn't. It's such a toxic masculine sport. There's no way they would be welcome. There's no way they'd be able to do it. It's in fa unfathomable, right? And like, it ain't like that now. Like, it's happening, and they're nice. There's like dope MCs that are uh, that are making us making waves, and they're coming out as gender as a uh, you know fluid, or their orientation is not the normative structure. And if they're if they're and they're still fine. You know, you kind of first person to dance floor, second person to dance floor. Like, okay, it's cool, it's fine. Lil Nas X, it didn't, as far as I can tell, I wouldn't. I'm not necessarily one that would know, but like, feels like it's fine. No, and I mean, feels even, like it's fine. Even just Frank, as, one of the greatest artists Frank we Ocean, have. Like, yeah. come on, like it's kind. of, So I think that next year is going to be different, and I think in three years we'll be laughing at this. And as that happens, I think sports goes that way too, because it's both both sports and hip hop, or it's young culture. It's predominantly men of color between 18 and 28. What's cool to one is cool to the other and what they're all, they're all popularity. I think that you're, we're gonna see this shift uh, in a big way. And, and, but to answer your question, you think about like preparing and taking a, a, a temperature of the climate. Like I, I actually kind of do the opposite. I've got to play a person. And no matter what Donald Trump says or what some ignorant group says, they're people, and and all you are is you, and all I am is me. And if I'm playing this character, he's got to embody himself and his beliefs and his experiences and his traumas and whatever. And like that's what I've got to play. Um, I think we, particularly left leaning folks, like we get really uh, sucked into um, reactionary 
a, re- a life of reaction to what outrageous bullshit this idiot in office says or anybody else. This is, you know, like, so we spend our whole news hour or news hours reacting to, can you believe that they said this? And they said, and, and meanwhile, their whole, their whole day is spent driving the train, doing whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, whatever language they want. And if they throw 30 things up at the wall, we spend the next two days trying to catch 10 of them and dissect 10 of them. But now they're onto something else and they're taking away women's reproductive rights or something else because we're distracted over here with something else. Like, I think it's just a, it's a um, life of playing defense. Um, so I try to not get caught up and like, just find out like, is the cart leading the horse or is the horse leading the cart, generally speaking? Well, that's a that's an evolved way and a very patient way to look at it. And um, I'll admit, like, I, I get sucked into it, too. I mean, I think it's hard to some degree not to um, because it just feels like every 10 minutes it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like that's generally my well, reaction. To be clear, it a hundred percent is that. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it and it matters, right? It's not I'm not pretending yeah, that yeah, these are just feelings. This it. is yeah. legislatively destroying people's lives. It, that, and this is why I do this work. This is why we care about these topics, because it because it's not just feelings, it's actually power um on the necks of people who who deserve equity and equality in their lives. So it matters, but and uh, um and I, you know, I was speaking more to the general consciousness. Um, but you, 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 if we don't pay attention to it, then we're consenting to it. Well, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how um, your activism, I hate to say it's been amped up because I think, you know, there were things that you were doing that people probably didn't know you were doing. Mm-hmm. And then Talking once, about pre-speech, post-speech? Yeah. So yeah. speaking yeah. of, that's exactly um, what I was about to get into next. Um, but first, I think people need to hear a little bit about the speech mm-hmm. that changed Um, I would imagine it changed your life, the one that you gave at BET. We've been floating this country on credit for centuries, yo. And we're done watching and waiting while this invention called whiteness uses and abuses us, burying black people out of sight and out of mind while extracting our culture, our dollars, our entertainment like oil, black gold, ghettoizing and demeaning our creations, then stealing them, gentrifying our genius, and then trying us on like costumes before discarding our bodies like rinds of strange fruit. The thing is, though, the thing is that just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. Thank you. After you delivered this speech um, that was hugely important, very impactful, emotional, everything, um, empathetic, human, it was all of these deserved words. How did how people looked at you change? My measure of that is looking into the faces of all the people that come up to me to tell me how it changed their life, specifically and broadly. Um, It was a weird time for me. I was going through a lot. I was going through a lot of negative things in my life at the time. I was also doing a film out of, uh, in Atlanta that was had me in a really negative space and uh, siloed off by myself to be focused on that work. And I just flew out to L.A. for that weekend, knocked that out and flew right back and went right back to work. And um, when I'm doing a project, I like to focus just on that project, which I say because I did not look at my uh, phone or the Internet for about 10 days. I think it ten was exactly 10 days after the speech. speech. Okay. That night I went to dinner with my family and then flew back and did not go online for 10 days because I needed to focus on the work I was doing and also because I did my, I did, I did it. So what everybody thinks about it, um, 
is not as as relevant. Uh, it, it, you, we say in the business like of acting, like it doesn't don't read your reviews, right? Because your great reviews are not healthy for you; they gas you up, and the bad reviews are not healthy for you; they can make you depressed or self doubt and create kind of weaknesses that don't actually. Uh, that aren't actually there. So um, I just was trying to be disciplined about it and focus on being present on my on my job and not getting caught up in any toxicity. Um, but it, you know what? It it my death threats went up big time. Yeah, a lot of death threats. I, for a while, I had security. It, it was brought on by my employer. It wasn't my choice, but it was uh, to them necessary. A lot of handwritten threats and threatening me and my family by name and my nigger children and like stuff like that. So. Uh, uh, it was real, uh, and that's part of it. So, Which is amazing to me because that speech is about one of compassion. It comes yeah, but from they a don't care. Place, but they don't know. care. Weak-minded, weak-hearted devils don't care about that. They care about stay in your place, shut up, stop asking me to change. I want to do exactly what I want to do whenever I want to do it. It's not anything else. It's just don't make me have to think about anybody but myself. Um, it's just a, it's a total like heart, mind, intellectual laziness. It's really not about us. This is what I was, I was getting at before about us being reactionary. Like we're always going to be chasing that ball. If you let them be the ones that are dictating the ball, you're outraged. Why? Why, Tammy? Tell me. Oh, nothing. You have nothing to say. When I got back online after, I actually was like r- straight up, like excited to read uh, constructive criticisms. What's like a dope critique, a criticism, and these people petitioning for my job and threatening me and trying to get me fired and all that stuff. And I was like, and but there was no substance. I'm ripping through. Where's I, I thought there'd be some meat on the bone, and there was nothing. These people are vapid. They're empty. They have nothing to do or say. And they're so so it was actually kind of disappointing. You know, it, it's you can um yeah, it was like there was no it wasn't uh it wasn't on my level. Well, I'm always, um, as someone like you who is well-versed in receiving handwritten hate mail, yeah. um, I'm impressed with the handwritten hate mail because these days, you know, with <laughs> the, the time take, it takes. The time. Yeah. You know, like, like wow, you pulled time out. to go get a stamp. Yeah. And, like, you committed to that racism. Right. I mean, And, it was, and you could tell it was in haste because you didn't even have, like, it's not even a blue pen. It's like a pink pen. Like, you, like, reached <laughs> just what was in the crook of your couch and just, like, <laughs> right. scribbled something down. That's not spelled right. It's just, um, that takes yeah. a lot of time, man. Yeah. And, uh, it is old school. It is very old school. And especially yeah. if they write in cursive. Then I know yeah. 900 years old. Right, I'm just right, like, right. they stopped teaching That's it real. back in my era. That's you know real. what I'm saying? I was kind of disappointed. I didn't get any that were, what do you call them, like from serial killer movies where they're like oh, uh, yeah, cut, out, cut, cut out, out letters and stuff. Yeah. Like, I feel like that, that it's a lost art form, man. I did get one. Probably one of my favorite ones that I got. And um, I... Um, <laughs> I, I actually so when I went through the whole Trump nonsense, yeah. I actually kept. Um, there was this big stack of snail mail, right? That it sure. actually mistakenly went to an ESPN executive, right? And so it was a big stack. addressed to you though. It was addressed to me, uh-huh. but somehow he wound up having it, and so he gave it to me one day, and it was just a humongous pile of of hate mail. Um, I assumed to be because it was handwritten. I was like, Mm-mm, handwritten. They got too much time. Hateful. Yeah. So. Uh, I kept it unopened uh, until, honestly, a, a few weeks ago. And really? I had not opened it. And I opened it for a particular event I was doing. It was a storytelling event I was doing, um, uh, hosting um, that uninterrupted LeBron's um, uh, yeah, company, yeah. you know, that they were ho- that they were holding and asked me to host. So I, I read some of them, and it was some nasty stuff in there. But one of them, I thought it was really creative. 
they sent me a card. The card said, get well soon. And on the inside, man, I got called every cunt in the book. I was like, damn. So I was like, that was pretty good. I actually thought. It was a nice little okie Like, dope. right? And then uh-huh. to get a card, get well soon. But on the inside, bitch died. Uh, yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was a good twist. Mm. That was a good. But twist. in fairness, they did wish you well. Also, that's true. Just as and also for me to get the fuck out of existence. But right. all good. Right. You know, I respect uh, the hustle. And how proud they were when they were like at Walmart buying that, <laughs> buying that car. Like, like you had to go pay. They went to the express money. line. They're like, yeah, I'm express. Just one, just one. Just thing. one, Thank just you. one yeah, thing. Get well, grandmother. Home. Sick. Yeah. You know. So Amazing. I was just I I couldn't even hate. I mean, I was it was really pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is a lost art form. I will say to completely answer your question, as much as a, in terms of how my life changed, the negativity is one thing. And while I take any threat upon my family or or anybody I care about, generally or specifically, seriously, as you should, um, uh, the love drowns out. It, the, the, this hate nonsense is a fraction. It doesn't. It's a drop in the pond. The amount you know, this as I say always about our work. And if I was I was at Ferguson or somewhere else, it's like our work, Black Lives Matter movement work, is a love movement. It's about us loving ourselves and about us loving other people. So, and the love that I got in response to that, it just makes this little hate stuff like not really matter. It's entirely worth it. And I, being able to like impact people in a meaningful way makes all of it worth it. And it also continued to show, which is why I think I occupy a kind of singular space in in uh, the tolerance that I get when I travel the country and the world speaking about these issues is definitely partly because I'm biracial and because I'm light and because I have Euro- European features. But the the, the word... White folks can handle being told the truth. We have to stop coddling them, and they have to stop coddling themselves. Like, they can handle it. I've talked at Utah University. To a, You could drop a pin. They were present. They were listening. They understood. They know about themselves. They know when shit's not right. You know you, didn't, you, know, you can't be born on third base and act like you hit a triple. You know that. Well, sports reference. I was like, I see you getting ready already for your spring training. You know, Um, but but like there, there we have to. We can actually start talking about these things. We can be black in public. We can talk about things. We can own our position. We can actually be human beings when we're outside of the lines. You know, of 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 the sport field or or, or court. Um, That sounds like I don't know anything about sports (laughs) when I said a sport field. Um, I I was envisioning the Nike campaign where they were out of bounds. You know, the black and white thing. Come on, come on. I I got you. Um, I I was there. I'm picking up what you're putting down. But but. you know, it's th- those are th- those are ways that my my life changed. I was already obviously I've been doing this work since I was, before I was in college, but now with a bigger platform and what I chose to do that night, um, just brings me closer to seeing the positive impact, which I will trade any day for some red faced child screaming because they're actually really insecure about their own um, inadequacies. I feel like you're somebody who probably doesn't get asked a lot of fun questions. So please hit me yes. with the fun. Um, I will. We're gonna take a short break first, and since you're Mister Creating My Own Game, <laughs> I got a little game that I'm gonna play with you after the break. Hey, it's. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, real quick before I dive into the fun stuff, when you were talking about, you know, the work that you're doing, does it ever get like too heavy for you? I mean, I, I know that you're you have used your platform so brilliantly, but just personally, does this ever get like? Yeah, I a mean, lot it, for you? it it has, and I've made adjustments. As a, you know, this is this is why I make products around joy and black joy, right? It, it, it's that's why we did a Broji as the GIF app. That's why we did Blebri. That's why I do you know do Scholly, Christopher Gray's uh, app that has connected students to over a hundred million dollars in scholarship money. Like we do good work that puts smiles on our faces also. We can't live straight sufferation 24 hours, uh, seven days a week. We need balance. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I've gotten better about, I was really trash at this for a long time, but I've gotten better about like, uh, slowing down, taking breaks, saying no. As, as you can imagine, we all in any kind of spotlight, I know you're inundated with, Jamel, we need you to do this. Could you host this? Could you speak here? Could you do me a favor and do something for free? Could you use your talents that you worked your whole life to build for free to go do this? Can you come speak at this? And and by the way, all those causes are good causes, generally, right? My work or any all the, any activisms or, cause, or, or causes that come to me, they're all great causes. I could, I could do, I could spend my life focused just on that. Um... But you do have to protect yourself and your space and the people who rely on your space and your energy. Um, and as I mature, as anybody does, I've gotten better at just like, you know, I actually can't do that. I can't not, I would, I can't fly across the country on my one day off to do that. Um, my kids need me or maybe I just need me. Um, maybe I just need to sit on my couch in my sweatpants and not do anything because I haven't done that in 45 days. Um, so yeah, just self-care, which is a popular term nowadays, but but it was certainly an important one, and it came to a head uh, at a, in my life. And I imagine, too, because one of the things that kind of changed for me is that um, you know I was kind of vaulted into an activist space. Mm. Um, and that's not to say I don't respect activism, because clearly I do. And um, I think very similarly to a lot of activists like yourself and how you think. Um, but I always looked at the journalism as my activism sure you know? it is um, uh and so as a result like once that change happened you know it used to be that when people would recognize me and i'd be out they want to come up uh, to me and like play around the horn and like yeah, yeah, yeah. debate about like who's gonna win the afc east or right. you know is lebron the greatest ever and then that changed and you've to seen that shift yeah the yeah. shift was in the stories that i hear now are just you know so angering because it's usually about some some racism some institutional yeah. racism yeah some sexism some misogyny like something something toxic happening yeah. and so that's a lot to take in yeah so how do you deal with that because i imagine people are just not just um, in addition to the request that when people see you they want to tell I'm gonna you dump and it, and dump everything on you look it's it's important that you bring that up because it, it is an exchange of energy you know if you're out having a meal after you've been working or you haven't been working, it's none of our business. You're out having a meal, you're walking to the movies, whatever, and somebody comes and dumps this horrible story on you or this request or whatever, 
you absorb that and you have to take that in and you have to compartmentalize that. Do I throw that away? Do I put that somewhere? Do I consider that later? Do I address that right now? I do have to get somewhere. I'm a little late. I want to be respectful for this person. I want to be grateful to my fans. I want to, it's, you're juggling 16 things while they're just telling you an off the cuff story. And by them doing that, that also might draw attention to you in the lobby of the multiplex, which now is going to have five other people come over and then ask for a selfie, but it's just one picture. But it's not just one picture. It's one picture it's for you, man. It's about to be 20 pictures. It's about to be 20 yeah. pictures. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a, a lot of that going on. And, and um, I, I, st- I kind of have developed a couple systems, um, and some of which are just probably better for me to tell you off air. But <laughs> okay, like, yeah. But yeah, how, to handle, how to handle – I have, I have a, a systems and rules of how to – um, protect my say my space, deflect uh, things, absorb them when they're when that's the right situation, and also protect protect others around me. Because what also happens, and I learned this early on um, in the in my time here in LA, is you have to protect the people that you're with. If I'm not present while you're talking, because I interrupt any time for a fan, any time we're talking, fans come over. I pause this, and I've got to that that adds up to. You spent 11 of the last 40 minutes with me sitting there looking at the side of my head while I talk to a stranger. And that's not so fun for you three days a week or whatever. Like you guys just making people be present with the people you're with, especially in this day and age where we don't spend a lot of time face to face. It's all via social media or texting or whatever. So, yeah, I've got I I had to put some systems in place. Well, it's um, yeah. And I know to some people um, that will uh, because they don't get it, they haven't been in that position. That's okay. They'll think it's not coming from a position of gratitude. Like you're still grateful. Yeah, but and it's that's just okay. Like, and you know what, Jamel, for real, like I don't care anymore because I know I'm grateful and I treat people with respect. And you're not you. What I learned was like you can't make them all happy, and that's okay. Like I, I, I really struggled this when I first came to business. Cause I was 27, 28 years old. I had already done three other jobs. I didn't. I had no dreams of being an actor, but I came here and. I want my fans to like me and I like them and I want to be grateful. And I found myself kind of bending over backwards to please everybody, which isn't pleasing me at all or necessarily those around me. And I've tried that way and oh. that didn't work for me. Although um, I will say that one of the upsides of being famous or having a platform is that you often get to do cool shit and be around cool people, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, present company included. So, of course, I was scrolling through your Instagram. Oh, don't do that. Oh, yeah, totally. What? Anybody that comes on this podcast knows I'm Instagram don't do your stalking. Research. I'm doing research. And I came across a picture that you took, I believe it was last January. And I had a lot of respect slash jealousy and wanted to fight you all at the same time because everybody who was in this photo. And I know that I hope that is one day a photo I can take. Which so one? in this photo, it was... There's so many, I can't think of which one. I know, because you saw that I'm focused. So it was you, Mary J. Blige. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who raised me, practically. Yeah. She doesn't know this. Yeah. She's... She's amazing. Been many relatives in my head, as well as my best friend. We've had sleepovers in my mind. That sounded creepy, yeah. but you know sure. what I mean. You could say that, so, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was her, uh, Jay-Z, mm-hmm. Pharrell, um, Diddy... Uh, I feel like I'm missing some famous Beyonce, people. Beyonce, Nas. Beyonce, that's who it was, and Nas. And I was like, yeah. where the fuck was this picture? Yeah. It was a, a, like an impromptu dinner to celebrate Mary's nom- Oscar nomination. From Unbound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which was a so, phenomenal movie. Yeah, so it was just a support. Like, let's just, I forgot who hit me, one of them. Just like, we're getting together to grab dinner and, and just show her some love. Can you give them my number? Because I would and, like uh, to be hit. I'll pass that on. Okay, just pass I'll it on. I'll pass that you on. Know, they'll yeah. probably be like, who the fuck? It's cool. <laughs> Oh, good. I'll um, show up. Yeah, those those are um, 
Those are nice perks. Yeah. And they're and like and get, getting to actually and by the way, to be clear, like those I say that's a perk because I actually know several of them and have have had really meaningful, long, valuable conversations with them. Like not just be I'm not I'm not um I don't love being around famous people just because and I, I certainly that's not what you're saying. But like when you can actually oh we actually have this in common and we're actually going through the same thing and you're actually giving me really important gems that I could learn from or I'm giving you like when there's mutual respect and things to learn like it's a it's kind of popping the bubble getting behind the veil it's it's pretty dope yeah I mean I've I've found that um it's made me as a fan of some people's work who I've always admired mm. getting to meet them and find out as great as they are at what they do they're even better, a better people. person yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean like, mary's one of those people i was really pleased i'm so to glad you that. said that yeah she's she's really really dope and i don't know if you go through this um in this industry but there are people that you may are there people that you really you know you love their work or love something they do but you kind of don't want to meet them because you don't want what you think of their work to be i don't know that i'm wise enough to have that like level of self-preservation i've i've heard that don't meet your heroes and i've heard a lot of stories about people getting really disappointed but no, I'd still rather know. Yeah. I'd rather know. Is there anybody that you have been able to meet, sit with, talk, that you may have on the outside not appeared this way, but you were honestly legitimately starstruck? Yeah, yo. Michael Jordan? <laughs> Michael, of course. Bulls fan. I yeah. should have guessed that. <laughs> Playing in his golf tournament, kicking it with him in his like golf cart, hanging out. Like, yeah, it's Michael Jordan. That that I mean, that's peak. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty um, good. For me, it would, you know... The, the Giants, it would have been, I almost went to, a, I'll never stop regretting this, I was going to go to a James Brown concert at the Apollo back when I lived in Brooklyn. I had been working at a law firm, I think, at the time, and I was doing 70 hours a week, and I was tired. I came home, it was raining, and we had tickets, and I was kind of like, I don't feel like going up to Harlem right now, like I'm beat, and we didn't go, and he died like two months later. I might be off by a few months, but he he died soon after. Um, uh, and he's one of the most influential musical figures in my life. I just don't know how to really, um, you know, act around famous people. And uh, yeah, I, I don't. And by yeah, act, I don't I mean get like that. Yeah, I don't mean I like I'm, you know. Do you ask them about themselves? Right. Or tell them what you're up to. Do you just talk about Game of Thrones? Do I, you? I'm like, not sure. Yeah. I am not sure. Um, like I remember. Uh, um, Everybody, I've known a couple. When did you embarrass yourself in front of a famous person? You know, this is the thing. I embarrass myself in front of people who some might not consider to be A-list folks, right? Because um, we all have our own lists. I yeah, think. we are. I mean, athletes. I don't give a shit about athletes. I mean, yeah. you're all good people and everything. That's you know, the slogan blah, blah, blah. for the show. I think, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bothered, right? Like, I don't really care. Yeah. Even though I've had conversations. Um, I had one conversation with Michael Jordan that I still will never get over because Jordan, um, you know, he's such a competitor, as you know, uh -huh. and he's funny and he knows I'm from Detroit. And of course, oh God, right. Of course, me, I couldn't resist. Um, you know, I mean, everybody knows that he kept my man Isaiah off yeah. the Olympic team. Yeah. So you damn right I asked him about Did it. Did you? What'd he say? And he, and and this is after he has like such complimentary wow. things to say. Good for you for asking that. Yeah, I asked him that. Um, I was just like, how you going to keep Isaiah off the Olympic team? And he was like, nobody wanted Isaiah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't Word? say like me, but he was just, I was like, why you have to destroy me like that? <laughs> he was like, I wasn't the only one. Nobody wanted him on the team. I was like, damn, Jordan, why you have to tell the yeah. truth? That's fucked up. 
<laughs> but Damn, I wanted you to be the bad guy. Don't yeah, spread it. Why'd you do that? But um, but wow. no, he was he could not have been. We talked to him. I mean, it was me and some friends of mine. I mean, we talked to him for like forty five minutes yeah. about ball, and I mean, he was great. And um, but that's yeah, yeah, Jordan. Okay, that's uh, an easy one. You're yeah, saying? that's the easy one. Yeah, who cares? But mm, um, mm, mm. for me, it's always somebody that people don't expect. Like my guilty pleasure. You mentioned self care. Part of my self care is watching Young and the Restless. I've been watching ah. Young and the Restless for almost 20 years. Really? And this was when the Super Bowl was in Detroit many years ago. I think it might be 10 years ago now, 10 or 11. Um, longer than that, all right? So I was uh, – actually, yeah, it is longer than that. I was at a Super Bowl party that I snuck into because I'm brilliant. Yeah. Because uh, I only believe in sneaking in parties because they're more fun when you sneak in. Yeah, right? I agree. You know, I agree. So I snuck into this party. I was in there, and I saw um, – Peter Bergman, um, he plays Jack Abbott on Young and the Restless. Okay. And my dumb ass, instead of just saying, hey, love your work, like, you know, oh, no. a normal fucking do? person, I was like, Jack, which is clearly not this man's real name. And he looked at me like, you crazy, insane woman. And I just couldn't help myself because I've been watching him for so what long. What kind of party was it? I was mean, it, it was sports themed. Was it entertainment business themed? It was more entertainment based. Okay, I think so it was he like gets a, it there. I feel like it was like a Maxim party or something okay. like that. Oh, this is this is a while ago. This yeah. is a while. yeah, right. Because yeah. they don't even do it anymore, right? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so I was just like, in my mind, it came out before right, my right. brain it was could catch up. Yeah, yeah. And yet, it now was, if that was in a different setting, he might have appreciated it. Like if nobody knew who he was, now, right? I have a if feeling was, he would have never appreciated this. Like if I'd have ran into him, there's no way I would be glad if you yell you know, out. If Jackson. I yell out Jack, like if, yeah, yeah I, if I yell yeah. out your character no, name, no, I would literally cringe. You would just and cringe, go, and you say, "Okay, insane woman." And yeah. I imagine because he has been an institution on For this decades. soap that yeah. this is. You know, something that happened. But I learned my lesson because since then, um, it's been a couple other actors I've been able to meet from Young and the Restless. And when Eric Braden, who plays the infamous Victor Newman. Sure, Victor Newman. Victor Newman, uh, you know, pop culture reference there. A big one because he's, you know, he's sort of seen seamlessly in a lot of pop culture. Uh Um, When he came to ESPN, I did not freak out. I, you know, I held my cool... A lesson learned from the Jack Abbott controversy. A lesson Abbott learned from Jack Abbott. So, yeah. yeah, but just in general, um, yeah. I, I asked Ava DuVernay this. I had her on the, the podcast a little while ago. She actually talked to Sade. What do you say to Sade? Mm. What's that conversation like? Slipper a demo. <laughs> no. It's like, first of all, yeah, what do you, yeah. I, I feel like Sade... I mean, she disappears like every 15 years. Yeah. And I don't care. I will go see so her. So she could disappear from this conversation in two seconds if you blow it see with your I'm opener. Saying? With your right. opener. Because I do believe she teleports. That's I feel like me. she would just recede in, back into the darkness. <laughs> like <laughs> almost like Prince in a Chappelle sketch so or like Homer into the bushes. I, yeah. People I know that have met Prince, I said the same thing. I was like, did he float? Mm. Like, I don't understand. Mm. Like, did he, how did he sound? Like, what, yeah. what, how do you hold a conversation with Prince? Right. Have you ever right. held a conversation with Prince? No, I, I've seen him play many times and I'm friends with several people that are close to him. We were right next to each other at his after after party when he did the forum. Remember he were you oh, here when he no, did the no. forum like a couple mm-hmm. years ago? Um twenty one nights at the forum I saw three or four of them. And you were like right next to him? Uh and I went to the after party and we were right next to him. We were about to be introduced by a mutual friend Ooh. and then it was a party so a lot of some Turned somebody turned one of us away. By one of us I mean him because <laughs> I was definitely looking at him. Um and it just didn't happen. Um, like what would you have said to Prince? <sighs> 
See what I'm saying? Know. Like, what's that, what's that like, opening line? You know? Great. I should. I wasn't prepared. See? I would have said something dumb like, great show. <laughs> or something, you like, know? I'm like, fucking Prince. Yeah, of course it was a great show. I know. <laughs> I can't even get as deep as Prince. See, I know what yeah. he sounds like, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was like, how do you, so that's why I said, like, I don't really know how to. It sounds like the voice of, like, a sexy God or something. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what do you say around that's that? True. I was I was probably more nervous about, or no, I mean, I was sort of nervous when I met the Obamas. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, yeah. I, right. He's. They're both such good conversationalists. They are. They just they you. take. Yeah, they, they take, take a lot of that. That's an important skill. It is. They or, or maybe it's less. Maybe something nicer than a skill and a quality. It's a really important quality. Like they're. Yeah, they're just. They make sure they feel regular. Right. And That's an important distinction, actually. I mean, Beyonce does the same thing. Yeah. And uh, it, w- I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have this experience is that my sort of pop culture growing up relationship with Jay-Z is a lot different hmm. than it is, you know, you know, with Beyonce. And so um, uh, most right. L.A. story ever is that I went to a Soul Cycle class and they were yeah, in my Soul sure. Cycle class. I've been in that class. Yeah. A- Angela? Yeah. Did everybody uh-huh. notice? Like, yeah. I-, I feel like this is like some L.A. not yeah, secret, it it but is. it's the most L.A. thing ever. It's this Soul Cycle class. One instructor, Angela, who's awesome. Yeah. And... All of you famous folks go and sneak do in, class. sneak out, sneak yeah. in and sneak out. And so, that shit is hard. Oh no, so cycle. That shit is, is mad hard. It's no joke. I was like, why no aren't joke. you people sitting on the seats? We like <laughs> sit on the damn seat. This is too difficult. I was <laughs> that was killing me. But I thank Beyonce for being in that class because that's the only way I managed not to die. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't pass out in front of Beyonce. Right. That would be embarrassing. And that's a good motivation. That's a good carrot to saying? dangle. But yeah. I, at the back of my mind, I really wanted one of her songs to come on because I wanted yeah. to see if she would sing her own song. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm silly that way. <laughs> you know, it it makes me think of my the ebb and flow that I've had with dealing with fans, right? Dealing with people that don't know what to say when they come up to you or me. Right. And I've definitely maybe, you know, let, other frustrations or things come out before, but I generally try to be really present and kind. And if I'm not, it's for a reason. Right. Because I've got to go. I'm in a rush. I'm with my kids or something like that. They're, right. Because of these rules and systems that I put in place. But um, yeah, it's 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 helpful, I think, to have a little taste of it on our side, right? As not being these, you know, they're, they're, we're talking about people who are kind of mega international stars. and But they have the same, they also are just hungry. And they also like, they also kind of are normal and wish you would just talk to them like they were normal. I know. You know, like I don't want to talk about episode 19 of season 12. You probably don't even know what it is. I, no, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. um, uh, but I'd be more interested in something else we might have in common. Right. Like, it, it, so we, we sometimes, my point is just that we throw too much on it. Like, maybe you just talk to B about. You know, something you would talk to you, you uh, talk one to of us about. I mean, I've had conversations with yeah, Beyonce, yeah, but it's of like, course, I don't but, know what to talk to her about, yeah. you know? Like, we're um, talking about the latest album or the latest song, you know, the latest other thing in pop culture, too, or something political. So it's I, funny. I say all this to warn you that should we be in the same room together and I meet Mary J. Blige? You, haven't, meet, you haven't met her? I've never met her. I'll gladly introduce you. For real? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm trying to actually get her on this podcast, yeah. so put in a good word. Yeah. Um. So I need... I have to stop, but no going into, I have to stop myself because I don't want to tell her about how my life got me through one of the don't worst. Don't start with that. I won't. Yeah. Le- like, don't wait, open wait with the you changed my life because it okay. colors the whole relationship. No, I said, I wouldn't say you changed it. She just helped me get through yeah. this fucked up dude I was dealing with. Right. Like my life, I was oh. like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just, yeah. I don't know whether I should marry Bob or I don't know. Should I? Not no, yet. I, not think yet. It, I think too there soon? is such thing as too early. It I think you want to just establish something normal. And then let that stuff let slip. Let that kind of come generally, in. Generally, yeah. Because okay. if you tell me that, 
it's kind of like I remember meeting somebody who's a friend of a friend, right? I'm hanging out with you and you introduce me to somebody else. And one of the first things they did was like ask for a selfie. Oh, I won't do that. Which is, I know it's extreme. Yeah, it's not what you're talking about. Yeah. But as, as an example, like that sets a different tone. Like, oh, okay, now everything I say is being monitored in a different way. You're more of like what it can be done for you. It's a fan thing. It's not actually a personal dynamic. We're not actually just right. Jesse, John, and Jane. You know what I mean? Right. We're, we're actually, it's something larger. So like if you come out the gate with like, you, see, but I, I, I'm speaking just generally because Mary is such no, a sweet, you're, you're right. specific person and her music is emotional and it is it about is. getting us through things. I know her well enough to know that, that she would be, Moved. Um, be like, and, let me tell you yeah. about Brian's ass. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> no I, yeah. won't, I won't do that. I promise, yeah. Mary. I will no. act normal. Fuck Brian. Is that, I think that's what we all <laughs> that's agree actually on. That's not his real yeah, name. I, I couldn't I say figured. it because you, you never know who's listening. Yeah. I promise you more fun questions. So, okay. real quick, this is rapid fire. You you got one choice, right? Oh, either one or, or the other. Either or. Okay. Either or, right? What's the name of this game? I don't know. I just fucking okay. made it up. Okay. <laughs> so, Eddie Murphy or Chris Rock? Eddie Murphy. <laughs> not an easy one. Not no, it's not. I can't wait to see his. Just because Eddie was first, it's my childhood. See what I'm saying? Got there first. Um, very excited to see whatever he develops for Netflix. Yeah. Lakers or Clippers? And I know you're a Bulls fan. Clippers, because uh, yeah, I grew up hating the Lakers and the Celtics. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm or Martin, and I mean the activist. Who else would you mean? Okay, just in case. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like Malcolm in the Middle versus yeah. the show Martin. I was like, I hope you didn't think I was talking Malcolm about Martin Norris. I was just um, <laughs> Well, that's a that's brutal. I uh, uh I mean, but Malcolm raised me. Malcolm, I know every word of every speech he's ever. That was like my birthday gift every year was his speeches. Jodeci or Drew Hill? Jodeci. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um that's that's easy. For There's me. a lot of people who try to put Drew Hill. I mean, Drew Hill's and maybe very they good. were. Uh, they're no, they're great. But, but Jodeci, like I list, I rocked a, a couple of those albums, and when they covered lately, like yeah, I remember where I was. And what Casey? Uh, I mean, that if you think you're lonely now, like yeah, they, I mean, so for somebody to do for those for Jodeci to do lately as good yeah. on the level of Stevie Wonder, yeah, that's a mature choice, and it was a risky move, and yeah. it worked. Did you also have a leather vest and? High techs, no? I predated that. I was a little too little for the leather. Mm, that's right. You are young. Like like leather vests, same as like Naughty by Nature. Yes. Leather vests. They were very the, similar. Yeah, yeah. the jersey. Um, nah. Yeah. That was a bit of, that's an aggressive move. Mm. That's a pretty aggressive move. I did do the Naughty by Nature like stocking hat. Oh, see, there you go. With like stripes on it, like really atrocious. Okay. You remember they had was, like a clothing I line? Do. Remember like nappy wear and like Mecca and like all these like, remember Source Magazine had all these crazy brands? I like sag wear and sag shit. Wear, like yes. like crazy brands. Uh, it was like a new one in every like, episode. Or what every was the issue? Malone? Something Malone. Oh. Mo Malone or something. It was, it was something. some jeans. Yeah, it was. I had green jeans and purple jeans and like, yeah, it was an era. <laughs> Starters, baseball starter jerseys. Oh, oh yeah, baseball starter. Bugs Bunny shirts and stuff. I don't actually ever own those. That wasn't really for me, but that was the time. Yeah, man, innocent times, man. Yeah. Innocent times. Chris Cross was a difficult time for me. It was a pretty traumatic <laughs> Where you put era. Your jeans backwards. Yeah, well, oh, I, yeah, yeah. I was. I looked. You know, like, I, well, I had two things. I had kid and play when I was a kid, and I and I was. It was all black neighborhood. I was the only light skinned kid, so I was kid. We did the <laughs> dances. We did the dances. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. I'm kid. <laughs> then I moved to a white neighborhood, and Chris Cross had just come out, and I had already had my hair braided because I was going to get dreaded again. 
And it was, uh, yeah, these are tough. You're just kind of being shoved into. <laughs> right. Fine, fine, yeah. We're going to put that in a space. Shirt on backwards. Just yeah. let's go already. We're going to put yeah. that in a box and we're yeah. going to do that for your therapist. Yeah. How about that? We'll do that. Mm. Um, when, we, when did we start recording? <laughs> <laughs> Last one uh, Michelle Barack. Oh, shit. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Michelle. Yeah, I mean, um, you kind of got to go with Michelle. No a, offense, Barack. No offense. Yeah, that's you the wise go. move, period. I don't care. Any couple, if you're looking at the couple that's and right. they go him or her, just pick, pick her. her. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much yeah, um, for dropping by here. and spending yeah. this time. You were one of the celebrities I was not nervous around. So that was good. Like, good. I acted totally normal the yeah. first time I met well, you. Well, not totally. Debatable. Yeah, I, I am a little quirky. Um, but uh, speaking of quirks, so how I close every podcast, um, a segment I'm sure you'll appreciate. I have one day to win an Emmy for this segment. Ah. Uh, that segment is called Fucking I'm Bothered, and that's next. It seems whenever there is a breakthrough black cultural moment that bleeds into the mainstream, somehow things reverse field and said moment then becomes less shame black people for having fun and living life. Or in this case, eating chicken. This shame isn't coming from white people. It's coming from black people. Not all black people, mind you, just those black people who, for some reason, can't stand to see other black people be joyous about something as frivolous as a fried chicken sandwich. Now, as the joy over the Popeye's new chicken sandwich was reaching its peak, I made the mistake of going on Facebook. And why does it always feel like it's a mistake to go on Facebook? But nevertheless, but bam, there it was. First post I see. I wish the line of Popeye's for this new chicken sandwich was as long as the line to vote. And over the course of the next few days, this actually became a thing. The recipe for killing black joy then became enter serious societal issue impacting the black community and comparing it to the enthusiasm over Popeye's. I wish y'all was excited about this is getting an education. <laughs> I wish y'all could break down the presidential candidates as well as y'all break down the ingredients of the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Damn, we can't have nothing. If it's not white people hijacking our culture and calling the police on us for just breathing, it's judgmental black people ruining the fun by reminding us that until we fix ourselves as a race, we're not allowed to enjoy chicken. Let me just address this stupid voting comparison for a moment. Ask the people in Georgia who were voting for Stacey Abrams how long they stood in line to vote. Ask the black folks in North Carolina who were subjected to strict voter ID laws and couldn't vote early until the court stepped in. A federal appeals panel called it the most restrictive voting law in North Carolina since Jim Crow. That was an exact quote. The shame isn't that we're losing our minds over a chicken sandwich. The shame is that in 2019, the fact remains it's a lot easier to get a bomb ass chicken sandwich than it is to vote. You have an entire party, as in Republicans, who made it their sole mission to prevent people of color from voting. We have a whole ass electoral college that's outdated and was partially built on preserving slavery. Look it up. Yes, it was. That now will become the primary reason why presidential candidates in the future who win the popular vote won't actually win the election. But yeah, go ahead. Blame some chicken. Stay unbothered. 
Mel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. 